0: is the amazing pastor of this church, Steve Andrews. Got that green light, it's good. Entitled, I made so many mistakes, I don't want to make any today. The birth of this world is judged. Thank you. Oh, greetings brother. I've got a new book here and it's a little bigger than my other one, so I apologize. Um, David Hope called me late last night Well, it wasn 't all that late, but it was fairly late, and he was in pain, and so um, well, rather than try to not knowing who all out, is out there that has uh, anything ready to i thought well i 'll just go ahead and do something that i 'd wanted to, to do well, if I can get rid of this thing here out of the way, um, but not as a sermon actually it It came about as a email I think I think that was an email to Richard and it's the age-old question I mean it's it is an age-old question what's the fate of Satan I mean what's he after he's done all of his damage what's he gonna where's he gonna go what's he gonna what's gonna happen to him now I'm gonna be like probably everybody else I'm not sure I can answer this question But I'm going to to go at it from a little bit different angle. What I'm going to do is look at the the different things that he has done that has put him into this situation, that has made him what he was not called Satan in the beginning. He was called Lucifer. And so consequently, something changed in this being, this very powerful being, that we today call Satan, devil, and also called the adversary. There are many names. Abaddon the dragon. He's a dragon. So we have a lot of names for this being. And he has done a lot of things. And we do not know how far back it goes, but I want to start in Isaiah, the, the 14th chapter. All of us are very familiar with these words. All of us are very familiar with, with it, and Barnabas had covered this uh, not too long ago. But you just can't jump right into it without having a little bit of background because you're, you're, you need to be able to think about what this being was and what he did to cause him to be in the position that he's in today beginning in verse 12. And it's very interesting in in, in the book of Isaiah and the book of Ezekiel where the the two are found. It's like in the middle of these verses. You just, all of a sudden, you pick this up and it's there. And so you have to know that that's what you're talking about because there's something else going on in the few verses in the front of it, and all of a sudden it comes to be about Lucifer. How are you fallen from heaven? Oh, Lucifer, verse 12, Son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. So, what are we looking at? God's the ruler And he wants to usurp the authority of God, and so he is a traitor. He's a traitor. All the laws, all the things that that were established in heaven, uh, now he wants to break them. He wants to become like the Most High. He wants to take that position. I don't think he really understood at the beginning what it was like to go against God. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is that the man that made the earth to tremble and to shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the, his prisoners? And I'm not sure exactly where it starts and where it begins, and you, you, know, you may have some other feelings about that. So all we're doing is kind of just looking at and studying these things and seeing the treasonous Lucifer, who no longer is going to be called Lucifer because of what he has done. In Jeremiah, and we're very familiar with Jeremiah also, but it does add quite a bit to the scenario of what happened and why he was Put out of the kingdom. In Jeremiah, the 28th chapter, beginning in verse 12. I'm sure, yeah. No, it's Ezekiel 20. I think I, I, think I was supposed to be, isn't that Ezekiel 28? Yeah, I think it's Ezekiel. Why did I put Jeremiah down there? I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe I was thinking Jeremiah. He says, Son of man, take up a lamentation of the king of Tyrus and say unto him, you know, this is Ezekiel, the 20th chapter, verse 12. And say, and this says the Lord God, your seal upon the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold and the workmanship of your tabrets and your pipes was prepared in you in the day that you were created. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. This being had a tremendous amount of responsibility. He was one of the covering cherubs that sat above God on his throne. He was given a tremendous amount of responsibility. And he was beautiful. And his beauty and his power, like so many, went to his head. Went to it, whatever, whatever thinking ability angels have. It went and consumed him. And so, it was important to take care of that. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. I think that's quite profound. This was a perfect being. God created him in perfection with all the beauty and all the responsibility that he needed to serve God and to serve God in his kingdom. And yet, because of all of that, because of this this beauty and everything that he had, and you can see how much of that God had put on him and created him in such a beautiful creature. And he was perfect in his ways until iniquity or unrighteousness was found in you. He probably was very stealthily, you know how they even in the humans, how stealthily behind the scenes, planning and putting together this ultimate plan, to take over the kingdom of God. To take over the throne of God to usurp his authority and put himself in that position. He says, By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence. You have sinned, therefore I cast you as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, some might get the idea that that means that he's, he, going to be, but it, what it really was is that he was pushed out away from God and yet sometimes in the Bible you find that he still does come before God occasionally your heart was lifted up because of your beauty you have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness I will cast you to the ground I will lay you before kings that they may behold you someday Someday, we will behold this being. When we're in the kingdom of God, we will see him. For all of the atrocities that he has done, for all the things that he has done, we will see him. We will know about this being. We will know. And I am sure he does not look at all like he looked when he was covering God's throne. Because I think God took that glory, that beauty, to some degree away from him Uh, there's something I want to share with you in a minute now it's interesting and I want to go back to the New Testament and I want to I, I want to break in here with Jesus and this being called Satan or the devil because Jesus had to face this being not that he probably hadn't faced him before but in this particular situation, Jesus was at a position in his physical and everything he was, um, as, after four, fasting for 40 days, physically, he was at a uh, position of, that, that he could lose out. But spiritually and, and emotionally and mentally, I think Jesus was at his most powerful because the words that he uses here are so powerful against the, this, this being. This being called the devil now. And I, I was only going to read a few verses, but I think, I think I'm going to go ahead and pick it back up here because it does fit in with my message that I'm going to bring in this, uh, the sermon that I'm going to bring today. Uh, and, and I think it will lay the groundwork a little bit for that because Jesus knew the law. And understood the scriptures. And the power that he had over Satan was not physical. Not the power of a sword. Not the power of a wrestling him or doing uh, some physical thing. It was the power of the word. The power of the word. And the power of the word of God. It, is, it was so powerful that at the end, we'll see, He was able to do something that you and I probably can still do, because we can call upon Jesus to get rid of him. Then was Jesus led up into the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And the tempter, that's Satan, came to him and said, If you be the son of God, command that these stones be made of bread. He's hungry. He's at a vulnerable position in his his life. And yet, what does he turn to? The most powerful thing that he turns to is the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into this holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down, for it's written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you should dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, not giving up. And there's some indication that this was going on for 40 days. That uh, some of the other scriptures seem to indicate that just as soon as he went into the wilderness, Satan was badgering him, pushing him trying to to get him to sin. Then the devil took him up into a high exceeding mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Leave is essentially what he says. Go, get away from me. There's power here, brethren. In these words, there is tremendous power And I didn't realize it until I was thinking about the situation in which Jesus was in and in which the message title has. Because he has has told him to leave, get you from hence Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him and behold the angels came and ministered to him. He had the Jesus has the power to keep the devil from you. To keep the devil and his demons away from you. That power is the name of Jesus Christ. And he has that power over Satan. He won. He literally won that battle. And John, which is the title of my message today, on his last days before his crucifixion, when he was teaching and, and, and ministering to his disciples, he made this statement in 16 verse 11. He, um, I, might, I might pick it up here in verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of sin because they believe not. Of righteousness because I go to my father and see me and you shall see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. He understood that Satan at that particular time had been judged. Not sentenced, the judgment had been put upon him. Not the sentence, but the judgment. Let's go to a scenario. And I'm not this It's kind of an interesting thought, and I I don't know whether it's true or not. So, take it with um, kind of a, this is what I'm thinking, but I'm not sure. Because Satan has some names that are very interesting. And what does he represent himself to in the Garden of Eden? A serpent. He comes as a serpent. Verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, yea, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, everybody knows the scenario, so I'm not going to go back through that. But I want to pick it up back here where God condemns him. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed above all the cattle and above all, every beast of the field upon your belly. You shall go and the dust shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And it shall bruise your he, head and you shall bruise his heel. Of course, prophetically, that was looking forward to the, that battle that we just talked about and the, Jesus dying. and and being resurrected, and all of that, and winning over Satan, the power over Satan. Now, not sure, but if you'll turn to what if he was one particular type of angel, I don't know, I'm not sure, Isaiah the sixth chapter, and there's just two verses in here, um, Two and six. And, it's, and I might read verse one just so that it doesn't sound kind of strange. In the year of Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and two, uh, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. Now, if you look up the word seraphim, it means serpent. Or fiery serpent? I don't know. Rather than I don't know. And then verse, verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphim to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with his tongs from off the altar. The only two places that the seraphim are talked about. But it is interesting that they were fiery serpents that were a part of that heavenly realm. And they had that responsibility before God, and they pray they, they were part of that. Don't know, but Satan is always shown as a serpent or a dragon, or some, something in that particular nature. Now, let's look at a couple of things here that um, let's look at one of the things that I wanted to, to, to share with you, because Satan has many crimes against his name and they and they probably keep multiplying by the day. I'm not really sure about that, but I bet they do. And someone is some angel is probably writing down very continually all of the crimes of of, of Satan. But this was one of the most heinous crimes to be committed. Luke 22 and verse 3. And if I can find where I'm at. I think this is right. Then entered Satan into Judas, sure named Iscariot, being of the number of twelve. And then in verse uh, coming over to verse 48, Judas, betray you, the Son of Man, with a kiss. When he left Judas, Judas realized what he had done and hung himself. Now, he could have repented, I think, but he hung himself. But realized that he was possessed by someone that hated, absolutely abhorred Jesus Christ and wanted to see him die and wanted to see him sin on the cross to curse God. And to fool and, to, and just lose everything. And so Satan was trying his, his best through this man, Judas Iscariot, to put him in that situation. Jesus won. He was resurrected. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he has power over Satan. He has power over Satan. So we don't have to worry, brethren. Okay, (laughs) even though we don't have to worry, we still have to be aware. We still have to be aware of the power of Satan. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, as we look to to something that we need to be aware of. Just two verses here. For such uh, false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. I'm just breaking in in the middle of this because I didn't want to read all of it. And no marvel, no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, it doesn't use the word Lucifer. It uses the word Satan, which means adversary. The adversary, our adversary, Satan, himself is transformed into an angel of light. He could come around and he, you could. Wow, that sounds like that's plausible. That sounds so plausible. I think I'm going to follow that guy. And yet you are being deceived. And so we've got to be very much aware, we've got to be very Bible oriented and understanding the scriptures. First Peter five and verse. First Peter five and verse eight. Everybody's, everybody's very familiar with this and understands this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, and he is our adversary, he, he sits up there and, and, and tells God that, hey, these people are just worthless. Look at that person sinning. And of course, Jesus is right there, and he says, yeah, that he's my child. He's, my, he's mine, and he's yours, Father. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. So we always have to be careful that we don't become embroiled in Satan's things. Especially don't get any Ouija boards, brethren. I've heard some real horror stories. I've never had one. I don't want one. I don't even want to get close to it. But even many, many years ago when I was first in the church, there were some people that thought that they could um, manipulate those Ouija boards and not have any problems, and it doesn't work. They are very dangerous. And if you want to call one of those demons down, get one of those boards and start playing with it, because they will bring them in. Satan's fate. (laughs) Let's see what we can find here. Um... Trying to remember where I want to start. let's, re, let's start in Revelation 12 starting in Revelation 12 and beginning of verse seven. I'm going to take it a little further this time. I, I only took it up to about 11, but I think I'll take it all the way through the, through the whole whole set. So that we, we get the whole panorama of what's going on, beginning of verse seven. And there was war in heaven. War in heaven. Imagine that. Angels with swords. Powerful weapons. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought his angels. uh, Fought and his angels. And prevailed not. Neither was a place found anymore in heaven. Talk about an interesting scenario. These winged beings, and they don't look like us at all. <laughs> I mean, you go in there and look at Ezekiel, they don't look like us at all. They, they've got calf's feet, they've got wings, they, they do have hands, they can't hold swords, but they don't look like us. But they are gorgeous and beautiful. God has created them. And here they are, battling. And you know those, Michael and Gabriel and all of those, Angels knew Lucifer and his angels. They knew them. They, they, they had a relationship. No telling how long ago it was, but they at one time had a relationship. And here they were now having to battle a, another group of angels. and So here they were at war. And prevail not. Neither was there a place anymore found in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out unto the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So what has he been doing all this time? Well, he's been accusing you and I. And all Christians down through the ages. But whenever this is, whenever this happens, I'm not sure. It may have already happened. But when it happens, there will not be any more accusations. There will be peace in heaven. But (laughs) not so much on the earth. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the in- inhabitants of the earth and of the, of the sea, for the devil is come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. So when this war happens and when it is, it's, get, it's going to be short, and it's going to be like, you know what, on this earth. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she nourished for a time, at times and a half time from, <clears throat> from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out his mouth with water as a flood after the woman, which is like an army, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had cast out. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. To be in that situation is not something I don't think any of us really desire but if we are called to do that and we are called to stand up, would you not want to be in that battle and die battling Satan and battling all of that that he's, he brings to this earth? I mean, it would be... Uh, talk about being a hero, <laughs> battling at the, at the end and having the testimony and the commandments and all of that in your hand. It's like a. It would be like a sword that you were battling him with, and you might lose your life. But imagine how wonderful it would be when you come up in the kingdom and realize that you had won against that that adversary. Um, just one quick one here, Daniel, the tenth chapter. You're all familiar with this one too, but I, I wanted to I wanted to show this because. It 's not the first time I think the, I think the angels have fought many, many battles over the years over the millennia, uh, however long it's been. I think there has been many many battles that have been fought, and I'm hoping that our our wonderful Michael and Gabriel are always winners. I want to meet them one of these days I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by them they they they're amazing beings. Daniel 10, uh, 12 through 15. Uh, then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I am come for your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. And now I have... Come to make you understand what shall be and befall your people in the latter days. or yet a vision of many days. So he was withstood, couldn't come because they were in a battle. Michael had to come and help, make way for him to come to Daniel. What an amazing thing. Daniel was praying. Daniel was, was in prayer and fasting. And this battle was going on. He had no idea. No idea whatsoever of what was happening. What what an interesting and powerful thing. That when the angel said, Well, I was held up. I had to We were in a a great battle. But I'm here now. And I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'll get to the end of this idea of Satan's faith. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, chapter 20, verses 1 to 3. And a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So, what we find out, we have an angel, we have a a messenger, could be Gabriel, could be Michael, could be just an angel that God has chosen. Um, I suspect since Michael and and Gabriel have been fighting this being for a very long time, that one of them has chosen to do so. Uh, I I would think so, but I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says an angel came down from from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he laid hold on that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him in the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal upon him, That he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. After that, he must be loose for a little season. So it's interesting. He can be bound. It's not like that he's a a being that can't be uh, sequestered, put somewhere, taken out of commission. We know that he can be bound, and there's big chains that he can be bound with, and there's a seal that keeps him from ever entering until it's released. And so, he's there for a thousand years while we're on the earth. The kingdom of God is set up and everything. And then verse 7. When a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out and deceive the nations which are in in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up into the breadth of the earth encompassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire uh, and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet were cast and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's it. That's where it stops. We know he's a created being. We don't know what God told him when he created him. We don't know what the contract is. We know that he's been able to go before God. when, If you read the book of Job in the first, few, uh, first couple of chapters, Satan is there accusing God of protecting Job. And so we know that this being has been loose for a very long time. Doing... Irreparable damage to a lot of people, a lot of things, maybe even to worlds. Because we see all kinds of things out there that maybe he has done to the worlds when he was cast out. So we don't know, but it just leaves it open. So I ask the question, do you know, is he to forever be in darkness in that, brim, uh, that place where the, uh, the, uh, the beast and the false prophet are? So that he's forever and ever and ever there. Or is someday, sometime in the far, far far-flung future, is he to be destroyed? I, I think I'm probably going to have to leave it with you.